1997 in Gerald, Texas. Gerald, Texas is about 40 miles north of Austin. A horrible tornado hit. We have a picture of the tornado. When, when it started, it was pencil thin and it turned into a monster on the ground. It was an F5 tornado. If you know anything about the, the power scale, an F5 is the most powerful tornado that there can be. When it would go through pastures, it was ripping up ground 18 inches deep, a foot and a half inch deep. It went through subdivisions, a few, unfortunately, and it even pulled plumbing up out of slabs, uh, killed 27 people. It was, it was absolutely terrible. Asphalt was pulled off of the road in certain places. It was so, so powerful. And I think you guys know that a, a tornado, or we know in Louisiana, a hurricane, uh, Mother Nature can be powerful, powerful, powerful. And what we're talking about this morning is something that can be very, very powerful too. And our first thought today to kick it off is our words, our words are very powerful. Our words are very powerful. They're so powerful. The last two Sundays, we talked about anger. We're in a series on being wise and how to live wisely. Living wisely biblically means you're, you're living with common sense and with God sense, and you're living in a way that's the best life for you and those around you. You're living in a way that honors God. And our words, man, this week and next week, we're going to talk about words, how important they are because our words are so, so powerful. Now, when we talk about words, and I think when the Bible was talking about words, it's not just talking about what you say. It'd be what you would write somebody. It could be a text message. It could be email. It could be Instagram. It could be Facebook, any social media emails. It's, it's your words that you put out there one way or the other. And, and when you, you need to understand your words, man, they can do so much damage next week, so much good. Words can just be confusing. Absolutely. You've heard enough sermons to know that's true. But here's a headline. Here's some headlines I've saw, I've seen. That the actual headlines for newspapers, something went wrong in jet crash, experts said. I'm not an aeronautical engineer, but I get that. Miners refused to work after death. Juvenile court to try shooting defendants. Hey, nothing else is working, let's just shoot them, see what happens, right? If strike isn't settled quickly, it may last a while. Cold wave is linked to cooler temperatures. You figured that out? Typhoon rips through cemetery, hundreds dead. Okay. Words can confuse. Look, in Proverbs 18, 21, listen to what the Bible says. We're going to, Proverbs is our heartbeat, but we're going to use several different passages. I would encourage you to use your pen and pencil, take notes. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, the power of your words. Those who love it. Those who aren't careful with it will eat its fruits. The word death there can mean literally dead, but it can mean ruin, and it can mean violence. The word life does mean alive, but it means to be living, and it means to be married. It means to be joyful. The word power is interesting. It means to give something strength, but it also, it, 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 it's the word for means. In other words, that, that the, your words are a means of, of life and death. Man, words are powerful, absolutely powerful. Listen, what you say and what I say to other people has a tremendous effect on them. It has an effect on their family, possibly, on your organization, on your team, your workplace, your church. 
our words are very, very powerful. If, you, if you're interested in pleasing God, and it's impossible to please God if you don't get this right. You're going to struggle with it, but you don't try to get it right. You need to start with this. Your words are very powerful. Here's the second thing. Man, this is powerful. Our words reveal who we really are. We put makeup on. We, we fit literally or figuratively, we try to cover who we are. The Bible says our words actually show our character. Oswald Chambers was a great Christian writer. He wrote the famous, my utmost for his highest daily devotional book. Listen to what he said. He said, the greatest test of your character is your speech. The greatest test of your character is your tongue and how you use your tongue. I think Jesus might agree with that in Matthew 12, 34 and 35. Listen to what Jesus says. You brood of snakes. Wow. Isn't that a way to start a conversation? (laughs) You brood of snakes. You brood of vipers. How could evil men like you speak what is good? And right, for whatever's in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. You know what God says here? God says, and this is the consistent pattern. Every person struggles with their tongue and in their words. But God says the consistent pattern of your speech and my speech reveals who we are. You positive, are you negative? You critical, you uplifting, you vulgar, are you pure? Are you a slander and a gossip? Are you someone who conceals those things and builds people up? Jesus said, the consistency of your speech and of your words reveals your character, who you are. I saw in a book, the book was titled, I Declare War, by a guy named Levi Levi Lusco. He said, it takes 72 muscles to speak. That's interesting to know. He said, the average person speaks 16,000 words a day. And if you live for the average lifespan right now, you speak over 860 million words in your lifetime. 860 million words. I would ask you this morning, what do your nouns and verbs and adjectives, what did they say about you? The Bible says you can quote Scripture and you can act like a holy Joe. And I am for learn, man, learn, memorize Scripture, no Scripture. But Scripture's got to change your life for it to really matter. What do your words reveal about you? What do they reveal about me? Now, here's what I want us to take a minute to do this morning that I think is really important. Let's take a wisdom test on our words. Let's take a wisdom test on our words. Let's see what your words reveal about you. And if you have courage this week, I I would challenge you to sit down with someone who will be honest with you that you're not afraid of or they're not afraid of you and ask them to tell you how you do with, with your words. In James 3a, James 3a, it says, No human being can tame the tongue. You need God's help for this. Our tongues are restless evils full of deadly poison. I saw a quote I wanted to share with you that we understand in this generation, but no one can tame the thumb. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison, the Twitter standard version. You understand that? Again, your words aren't just your speech. It's what you're tweeting. It's what you're putting on social media. Some of the dumbest things ever are put out on social media. Those are words. Let's take a a test of our words this morning. Here's the first one. Do you talk too much, like the song we just sang? Do you talk too much? There was a preacher who had all of his teeth pulled. 
So for a couple of weeks, he didn't come to church. And then he got dentures, false teeth that you could pull in and out were like the ones he got. The first week, he normally preached about 30 minutes. The first week, he preached 10 minutes. Everybody loved that, but they knew something was wrong. And he said, well, my dentures were too tight. I couldn't. It was hard for me to stay in there and keep preaching. The next week, he comes back. He preached 20 minutes. He says, I'm doing better. The following week, he preached an hour and a half. I said, Pastor, what's wrong? He said, I put my wife's dentures in by accident. And my wife will say to me after church, you talk more than I do, which is absolutely true. So that's a joke, and if that upsets you, I'm sorry. Not really, it's funny. Proverbs 10, 19. Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your pie hole shut. Too much talk. The word too much means a multitude or abundance. It leads to sin. It leads to rebellion and revolt. What God says is to be wise and careful with your speech. Proverbs 29, 20 says, Do you see a man or a woman or a person who speaks in haste? It's hasty with the words. There's more, more hope for a fool than for them. The word hasty means who's hurried up in their speech. Talk, talk, talk. Remember the word fool is a word God tells you and me never to call somebody. The word fool literally means a godless person. It's a, it, you don't like this word, but this is literally what it means. It means it's a stupid person. The Bible would say. It's, I love this. It's a moral blockhead. It's just somebody who is, is just doesn't get it spiritually, morally. Anyway, God says the person who runs their mouth too much is a moral blockhead. Now, here's what I want to tell you this morning. It's great to be a conversationalist. You need to learn how to interact with people. You need to learn how to talk with people. But people who are good conversationalists ask questions and they listen. Have you ever noticed that? They just don't run the pie hole, the hole, the mouth the whole time. It's good to learn how to interact with people. But God says when, if we're not careful, especially in serious conversations, if we talk to you, go, well, I, man, I want to talk, go deep with God. You're never going any deeper with God than how you control your mouth. The Bible says you shouldn't be a deacon. You shouldn't be a pastor. It says a man shouldn't be a deacon if his wife can't control their mouth. You better take this seriously. Learn how to, do you talk too much? Learn how to control your tongue. I read this last year and I cut it out in one of my devotions I was reading. A man named Robert Green says, the more you say, the more likely you are to say something foolish. Talking about serious conversations. To add that, the more you say, the more likely you are to blow past lessons and opportunities. You ignore feedback because you're talking and you cause yourself suffering. The inexperienced and the fearful talk to reassure themselves. The ability to listen and deliberately stay out of a conversation that you might should stay out of is rare but so important. Silence is a way you build strength and self-sufficiency. It's a way you protect yourself. Ask somebody this week, do I talk too much? Here's the second thing. Do you need to be careful with your tone? What about your tone? Do you need to be careful with how you say things? Do, do you know anybody, they can't say anything without screaming? I mean, they're not even mad. Pass me the ketchup. Cool it. Wasn't that a great sermon? No. Proverbs 15.1, you ought to learn this verse. It's a game changer. A gentle answer deflects anger. Gentle means a soft answer. But a harsh word, a vicious word, a grievous word 
makes tempers, makes the nostrils flare is what that's saying. They get emotionally mad, the nostrils start flaring. You try this with somebody this week, somebody that can't beat you up. Just answer back in an ugly way. Don't be vulgar. I mean, just be harsh with them. Be quick with them. may get you grounded. Don't do it with your parents. Hey, you want to come over tonight? No! Some people just like that. And they don't mean anything about it. You know people like that. They don't mean anything. Don't point at them, but you know them. Years ago, three decades ago, I was around a person who was an equal. They weren't over me, thank God. Who was a hothead. And I'm a Christian. So my option is not to punch. And I think they know that too, right? And if you did anything, if you said anything back a little bit strong, it was on. And man, isn't it hard? Look, can you get honest? Is it hard when someone's obnoxious and rude to you? Not to eventually just say, you're not even, you're you're just like, God bless you, you idiot. I mean, you know, you want to, you want to say something you shouldn't say, right? You throw God bless you on there, it's okay, right? And I memorized this verse, and you know what I found out? The Bible is true. Isn't that amazing? And when this person would pop off, they'd get mad, they'd say something. If I could just control the only person I can control, me, and answer back in a soft way, it was amazing how it brought things down. By the way, when you send someone a text or an email and it's in all caps with 18 exclamation points after it, they get it. Be careful how you respond with your is your tone, does your tone need some improvement? Here's the third thing. We're getting it, we're gonna start meddling really hard now. Are you a gossip? Don't you love that word gossip? It just even the word itself sounds bad. Three pastors were out fishing. And, and they weren't good fishermen, and they weren't catching any fish. And so one of them said, let's talk about Jesus. So they start talking about God things. And, and another pastor says, man, I'm struggling with, with something. And the Bible says when you're struggling, you find some friends, you tell them, you share, you pray, and I, I need your help. He goes, man, I, I'm struggling with gambling. He goes, when, when my wife and kids aren't home, I'll get online, and I may blow $500. We don't have to blow. I got, a, I got a gambling problem. Okay? The other guy says, man, I want to talk. He goes, I got a little bit of a drinking problem. The, the, a serious note. I saw this week, one out of five pastors has an alcohol or a drug problem. Is that not incredible? So, but this is a joke, so you'll be okay. So the pastor, the pastor says, you know, I, he goes, I don't see anything wrong with a, an adult having a glass of wine. But he said, man, sometimes I'll sneak off. I'll go to the the drive through liquor store and disguise myself and get a bottle, and I don't have a glass. I have 10 glasses. And he goes, man, sometimes I, I have a drinking problem. They looked at the other guy, and they said, what's your sin you want to confess? He goes, I'm a gossip. <laughs> if you don't get that, see me at that door after church, and I'll share. Here's the moral of that story spiritually. When you're in the group of sharing sins, go last. Amen? You always, you always go last. Okay, Proverbs 17, 9. It says, whoever covers an offense seeks love. Whoever, when they hear the word, if they will bring it down and bring it in, that's a loving part. But whoever repeats it, passes it on, spreads the gossip, separates close friends. Wow. The gossip is to spread a rumor. It's to spread other people's personal affairs. 
It's synonymous with hearsay and with a tail and with a buzz. It's, it's almost always based on stuff that's not good and probably not fully accurate. Let me pause and ask you, how many of you like to be gossiped about? Zero. Josh and Braden did an experiment. You may have seen something like this done before. Uh, with the youth on Wednesday night, I want, I want to show this to you, and then I'll talk about it for just a second. No more bunny suits or pink flip-flops. He just likes French fries. Josh, we do like French fries, don't we? Amen. Now, here's the funny thing. Uh, I, I think that the youth tried to do that properly, and that's in about a 20-minute controlled area. So think if you take the, took the same thing and you let, let them run with it for a week and come back what it would have been. It would have been incredible. So, in other words, a lot of times when you're gossiping about something, by the time you've heard it, it's way wrong, and, and you may not pass it on. It's just a bad, bad thing. Someone said if you're not an eyewitness, it's easy to be a false witness. It's pretty good. Not an eyewitness, it's easy to be a false witness witness. Are you a gossip? Here's the next one, and this is ugly. Do you slander people? Do you slander people? Proverbs 10, 18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. Whoever utters slander is a fool. Leave that there for a second. That first part is not telling you to go beat people up with your words. If you hate somebody, let them have it. No, it's saying Don't be a hypocrite. Deal with what's going on in your heart. Deal with it with God. Deal with it with you. Deal with it with that person if you can. Don't be a hypocrite. Deal with the hatred in your heart. Then he says, if you utter slander, you are a fool. You are a godless blockhead is what he's saying. What does the word slander in your Bible mean? It means to defame someone. It's to spread an evil or malicious, that's to willfully harm someone, a bad report. It's synonymous with misrepresentation, smearing, and verbally hitting someone. Wow. Sometimes you hear the word libel. Libel normally is what happens in print, and slander is what happens orally. That's the same thing. I like what one Bible scholar said. He said, slander is just camouflaged hatred. It's what it boils down to. Man, you can hurt people, their reputation and their name. I don't know, maybe you like doing that. If you do, we've got an altar for you to find Christ at this morning. Slander's a bad thing. 
Do you slander people? Here's a fourth big thought today for us. Our words used negatively can cause so much harm. Man, they can cause so much damage. James 3, 5. James 3, 5 says, In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Last summer and fall in California, there was a multitude of forest fires. One was called the Car Fire, C-A-R-R Fire. It's, listen, it started on July the 28th, and it was not extinguished or fully controlled till August the 30th, over a month. It destroyed over 1,600 buildings. 230,000 acres were destroyed. Eight people died. You know what started that? Somebody was driving, and they had a flat tire, and, and they, their rim started scraping on the concrete, and it kicked up just a few sparks that hit some brush on the side of the road, and a, a month-long fire, tremendous devastation. That's what God says our words are like. Our words are so powerful and so dangerous. Proverbs 18, verse 6 and 7. Fools' words get into a constant quarrel. They're asking for a beating. The mouth of a fool's are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Listen, what God says is with our speech, not only do we do it to others, we do it to ourselves. Your words, you destroy people, you ruin people, you hurt people. You can, next week we're going to look at all the positive we can do. But our words have the potential of being so damaging to your, to your business, to your team. To your family, to your church, words are so can be so detrimental and so destructive. Proverbs eleven nine, Proverbs eleven nine. With their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge or wisdom rescues the righteous. Obviously, in the context from this, words bring disaster. Man, literally or, or figuratively, words can kill. Our speech can be so, so harmful to people. How many of you have ever heard of a spitting cobra? We killed a couple of those on the children's playground a couple of weeks ago. Just teasing. They're, I think they're native to Africa. They can bite you and kill you if that's not bad enough. But also from about six and a half feet away, they have the ability, you can see if you look closely, to spit and to spit with great accuracy and hit you in the eyes and blind you. Is that not terrible? They can, they can destroy you with their mouths as well as with their fangs. They can destroy you with their mouths from a distance. And God says that if we're not careful with our words, and a lot of people who profess to be religious people can be just as bad. We can destroy people. We can do so much damage. With our words. So much damage. And I want to give you one last thought that I really think is worth holding on to this morning. God's not missing anything. God's not missing anything. That Matthew 12 passage. Verse 36 and 37. Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people are going to give an account. Listen, this ought to make you really nervous. For every careless word they speak, for by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What does that mean? Let me start with you if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
You're a Christian. You're not going to be judged on your eternity. That's settled with God. But you're going to answer to God for how you live. Now, if you if you stay close to Christ, you confess your sins, you stay righteous with God, man, the judgment day ought to be a good thing. Many of us aren't doing that. Over in 1 Corinthians, it says that a lot of people are going to be saved, but they're going to smell like smoke. But as by fire. Christian, are, are you hearing me? You, in other words, I don't understand how that... I'm going to get into heaven or you're going to get into heaven, but we may get spanked on the way in, but that's what the Bible says. We don't live like that at all. And God says that, that our speech, our word, we're all pious, we're holy, we care our Bible, we're judgmental, we condemn people who do things that we think good Christian people shouldn't do, and then we will gossip and we will slander and we will talk too much and we holler. And God says, I'm not missing it. And someday, if you don't deal with it, with your, you, me and you right here, while you're on earth, someday you and I are going to deal with it when you get to heaven. Wow. Wouldn't it be scary right now if you died and God said, let me go to the vault and pull out your words? Uh-oh. You think Google has a memory. But also that passage says something weird. It says that, that by your words you're condemned or by your words you're justified. I, I think what he's saying there, too, is that the pattern of your life... Well, first of all, do you know the Bible says liars won't go to heaven? Did you know that? Some of you lie every Sunday morning when I ask you to raise your hand on something. Now, what that means, it doesn't mean that a person who tells a lie won't go to heaven simply because of that. What it means is if the pattern of your life is dishonesty, you don't know Christ. And what he would say with our words, if the pattern of our lives are slanderous, gossipy, destructive, you don't know Christ. And so one of the ways that God will justify your condemnation someday when he says, you don't belong to me, and it's proven by your life, it will be proven by your words. If you were standing before God right now, what what would your words, how would that go? How many of you ever saw the old TV special, Scared Straight? Don't lie, I just said liars are going to hell. How many of you... I don't know if I'd recommend it because the, the words are not pretty rough, but what it, what it is is they would take juvenile delinquents who've been in trouble to adult prisons and let the prisoners talk to them about how fun, I'm joking, prison life is. The idea was to scare them into straightening up their lives. You know what? The judgment seat of Christ scares me. I hope it does you. Not, not in a trembling way that you can't move, but in a way that it makes you and I live in light that we will stand before God. And in context of this sermon, that we will stand before God someday and give an account for how we've used our words. How are we doing? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I'm going to challenge you more in a moment, but I hope you will do whatever you need to do to get your words and your speech and your tongue in line with God. If you're here and you're not a Christian, or you're unsure if you're a Christian, pray with me if you're ready. If you're ready, the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart. Pray with me and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sin. 
And Jesus, I believe you're God's son. And that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart. And Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And when we do, I want to challenge you. Maybe you just ask Christ in your life. Are you ready to do that? You come today, give your life to Jesus. I'll, I'll meet you at this door here after church and we can talk if, you're, if you don't feel comfortable walking. But do that today. Man, get things right with God today. Maybe you'd like to join the church. You can come when we stand. You can do that after church. You need a church home, and we need you if God's leading you here. Come join us today. You're a Christian. Some of you are doing really well with these things. Others of you, maybe you're not. I want to challenge you, hard challenge you right now. Repent today. Maybe it'll be where you're standing. Maybe you want to come to the altar and pray. Maybe before you leave this building, you need to go to someone and apologize. Maybe you need to make a phone call today. But man, get your life and your words right with God this morning. Let's stand as God leads you. You respond. You respond today. We'll be waiting on you.